Hey everybody, Chris Havery with you on Chargers Weekly. We are less than one week away from the NFL Draft, but that's just one of several items on the NFL calendar in April. A bit later, I'll be joined by Jack Wang of Southern California News Group. We'll discuss the first week of the team's off-season workout program. But first, a 40-minute deep dive into the Chargers 2018 schedule with the voice of the team, Matt Money-Smith. All right, here with the voice of the Chargers, the great Matt Money-Smith on Chargers Weekly. And Money, it's like Christmas in April now. We got the draft a week away. The schedule's finally been released. Uh, before we go through each game, getting some of these storylines, give me your overall impressions of what you think of the schedule. I love it. Um, and I don't know if that's just the optimist in me, but I, I think you know two things jump out at me. Um, one is how upset the players are about no primetime games. They're not happy, uh, and no. That's, they're not. So, so I look at that as two-pronged, right? One, they're pretty upset, right? So there you go. Fine. Great. Chip on your shoulder. Uh, prove everybody wrong. I love having that sort of carrot in front of you um, that, of disrespect. And two, uh, you know, as much as they're upset about being disrespected, whenever we play primetime games, I hear it from them about how they don't like being off schedule. And they like having, you know, their routine of what Monday is, what Tuesday. And when you start mixing in Monday nighters, and as somebody who did a couple Monday nighters last year, uh, they're brutal. You know, our, our trip back from Denver, I don't think we had wheels up out of Denver that opening week until 3.30 in the morning. Um, I want to say we landed in L.A. at like 4.50 or 5 a.m., um, and that just throws your whole week off. I mean, I don't play football, and I don't have to go back out there and do it again the following week. Um, against the Dolphins, but I can tell you, my week was wrecked. My schedule was just off. So as bad as that is, I think that that works two ways for them. One, again, chip on their shoulder. Two, you stay on schedule, you know, the whole time. Now, granted, they have to deal with London, but I think every, you know, two teams have to deal with London, and you get a bye the following week. So, I mean, that's what really jumps out of me is is fuel and, and you know, the, the idea of a slight. And two, um, I love that they open with the Chiefs. I know you said we'll go through them one by one, but team that won the division last year, a team that has dominated them lately, and a team that gets Pat Mahomes as, hey, we, we sent out an all-pro quarterback who threw for nearly 5,000 yards last year and helped us win a division, so you can take over, and your gift for that is Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa in week one. So, <laughs> I, I, you, you know, those are the, the first two things that really kind of stuck out to me. Well, that's it. Let's start with week one. September 9th, Chiefs come to town, and like you said, Money, the Chargers – this has been a thorn in their side. They, they've lost eight straight to the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, his second career NFL start, like you said, against Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. And I'd imagine you'd like to face a young guy like Mahomes earlier rather than later, especially with those offensive weapons. Let's say you, you play against the Chiefs in week five, week six. He has more time to gel with guys like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I think you're getting him at, at the perfect time. Exactly right. Uh, concur. I, I think that's that's kind of what I was getting after there. You know that here's you know, yeah he played the last game of the season fine, but that's one game and and yeah you got the off season, but until you're you're in the midst of it um, and you're getting after it, then you don't really know is the chemistry there? Are you on the same page? Are you comfortable? And again, I, I have a lot. I have a very you know I have a very favorable impression of Patrick Mahomes. I think he's gonna be a good quarterback. Um, especially with Andy Reid as head coach and, and all the weapons that he has around him, without question. But 
I do think there is something to be said for someone who's making just his second start against one of the best defenses in the NFL last year with arguably the best cover corner in the league last year and arguably the best pass rush. So that's a pretty good combo to have against a guy that left college a year early and is making his second NFL start. Money, I have a recollection of, is it, was it you and Damashek? Did, did you throw a muffin or did, did somebody throw a muffin at <laughs> yes. Dave? What, well, where was that? Yes. We, it was at Super Bowl. We had Patrick <laughs> Mahomes on, and Dave and I got into an argument. Well, we didn't really. We got I. We both agreed that a scone would be the pastry that hurt the worst. Because Patrick, you know, he was just sitting there with us, and someone had just brought us this big plate of baked goods for whatever reason. So as we were talking to Patrick about it, we said, "Hey, you know, my contention because my contention was scone, and he went muffin, and we both agreed, okay, one of us can't get hit by a scone by Patrick Mahomes. It might break something." Um, <laughs> So he threw a muffin at, uh, at Dave, and he threw a croissant, a croissant at me. So I, I certainly got the better end of that. It actually left a bruise on Dave, um, the muffin did, uh, that hit him right below the sternum. And the, I'll tell you, I, I, I mean, look, I'm a small guy, and I'm not the toughest person in the world. But uh, even the croissant hurt a little Kinda bit. Hurt. He threw it that hard. <laughs> it, 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 he did throw it hard enough where I was like, oh, I actually felt that. I didn't think I was going to feel it at all. No, listen, I like Patrick Mahomes a lot. I think he's be a great quarterback, but I, I'm certainly happy that the Chargers get him week one at home. And then you go to week two, and money, the scheduling gods did you and the Chargers a favor with, with an early trip to Western New York. I, I imagine December 16th, a little bit worse than September 16th. Certainly a uh, big favorite there. I mean, we've, we've seen, I think it's in each of the last two years, you know, the Bills have had one of those three feet of snow games. And, you know, it just, it's a great equalizer when you have, you know, weather that is inclement to that degree. I mean, it really does help even things out. And for a Bills team that has even further stripped itself of assets this year, you know, losing their two best offensive linemen and Cordy Glenn and Richie Incognito, obviously they said bye to Tyrod Taylor. Um, as of right now, I guess, A.J. McCarron or Nathan Peterman, whomever is going to be their, their starter. So that, that's another one that, or a rookie that they may come to draft. You know, if that helps, again, that the Chargers out. You know, a, a young quarterback, regardless of which one it is, either McCarron, you know, or Peterman or a draftee that they're going to get to face early in the season with that, that spectacular pass rush in weather that we assume will be pretty darn good. A.J. McCarron, three career NFL starts. And to your point, it could be, could be Josh Allen. It could be Rosen. It could be Darnold. Right. Uh, you know, I, I doubt it's going to be Peterman, but you never know. And uh, this is another homecoming game for Anthony Lynn, obviously, before becoming coach of the Chargers, running back coach, OC, and interim head coach all in the same season. So should be a, a good week for Coach Lynn. You come back to L.A. money week three, but it's a road game. It's that battle for L.A. everybody's excited about. And the Rams have made a lot of splashy moves, right? We got we got Sue, we got Peters and Tlaib that Phillip Rivers and the Chargers are familiar with. But I think the, the low-key storyline here is just having a road game early in Los Angeles. You're in the comfy confines of Southern California in week three, and it's a road game. No question. You know, it, it evens out the London game, right? You lose the one home game, but you keep a home game. Yep. And I would suspect we'll see a lot of Charger fans in there. I mean, I would assume it'll be more Ram fans, you know, and there's a lot of excitement around that team. They won their division last year. They made the biggest splash of any team in free agency. Um, you know, and that's great when you sign a bunch of guys. You never know how those pieces are going to fit. The thing that I take away, I get another Keenan Allen versus Aqib Tlaib battle. You know, Absolutely. one of my favorite things, <laughs> you know, the fact that those two guys get to go against one another. And, 
you know, as Keenan likes to point out, he typically gets the better of them. Um, so that's going to be exciting, and and I think it's a great, I think it's great to have that kind of challenge early. I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't going to be a challenge. I'd be stupid to suggest that since they've beat the Chargers eight straight times. But certainly with a new quarterback, it changes that dynamic a little bit. But it's great to play against what I think is going to end up being one of the best teams in the NFL this year if all those pieces manage to coalesce. Uh, and just kind of get some stock, take some stock of where where you're at. You know, are you three and zero, and and are you one of the best teams in the AFC like a lot of people think you are? Um, do you lose a close one and you still feel good, or does it look like they expose some of your weaknesses that you still got plenty of time to sort out before you get into the rest of your division games? And again, I think this is a a great time to to face the Rams too, because listen, I work for the Redskins, and I remember the 2000 Dream Team where you had Dion coming in, you had Bruce Smith, you had Mark Carrier, Jeff George, all these big names. And it takes a while to gel and to build that chemistry. I mean, with the Eagles 2011 team, where you bring in a bunch of different guys, I think it's always good to face those teams early rather than later. Yeah, and I think the other thing with the Rams, too, is you look at where their struggles were, you know, against teams with great pass rushes, you know, and teams that were able to get after that quarterback and play a good defensive game. Now, you can argue they should have beat the Eagles, you know, Cooper Cup dropped pass, but the struggles they had with the Vikings and that front seven, um, and if, in fact, the, the Chargers can, you know, pair that secondary and pass rush with some help in this draft or in this second or the third phase, I guess I would call it a free agency post you know, after you have the first wave of all the big names getting signed, then obviously the Chargers made their moves in, in sort of that secondary free agent mark with Mike Pouncey. And then you get that third wave, there's still some good players out there. So let's say they fill some of those holes at linebacker and help with their depth on the defensive line. Um, I think that's just that's how you give the Rams problems, you know, is you pressure Jared Goff. And if you can help make them one-dimensional because Goff just is, is under duress, uh, that's the way you negate Todd Gurley. So, you know, that I, I think it's going to be um, – it, it, like I said, I like that it's early in the season, and, and it helps just kind of set a, let's just say, sort of kind of like a, a line of, of where you might be, where you thought you were going to be, because you get one of the, you know, what on paper are elite teams in the NFL to give you an opportunity to take some inventory there. Week four, Chargers back at StubHub Center against another NFC West opponent, the 49ers. And, money, you could argue Chargers – and the Niners were the hottest teams down the stretch last year, and nobody wanted them in the postseason. Obviously, they didn't make the postseason, but, but this is a another big test. And I think the headliner here, obviously, Phillip Rivers versus Garoppolo. No doubt. Uh, you said it. I mean, it was 5-0 and was the season, and it was a team that was certainly on the up and up. And, and yet there's a reason why a lot of people have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan. He is one of the best play callers um, in the NFL and, and does a great job of working with his talent. And he has had now an opportunity – to add to that talent and and get more of his guys in. I think you look at Jarek McKinnon and you think about not saying he's at the level um, of what he had, you know, with that two-headed monster in in Atlanta, but it's someone that, you know, is is able, like a Devontae Freeman, is able to catch the ball and do great things after the catch. Um, I don't know if he's a three-down back, and that's kind of the amount of money that they paid him. But we saw, you know, Matt Breida play well in spot duty. Um, They have that kind of versatile fullback. They like to call him more of an athlete than a fullback than Kyle Juszczyk. So, I mean, there's there's weapons there. I mean, Marquise Goodwin could take the top off the defense. Pierre Garçon is a very accomplished player, and, and, and we know, you know, that that left tackle, and, and I'm a big fan of Lakin Tomlinson's out of Duke, at that left guard next to Staley, and Weston Richburg is a solid center, so that left side's pretty solid. 
Um, defensively, I'm not quite sure where they are. I, I think that's that's kind of the question. I mean, those big bodies up front are impressive, that's for sure. Armstead, Buckner, Thomas, I mean, first-round draft picks, you know, all along that defensive line. Um, but I think with the case of, of Reuben Foster um, and the back end there, is Richard Sermon fully back from his Achilles? Is he not? Um, I, I think there there's enough question mark there that you wonder if it's maybe not this year that they're quite ready to go, but maybe more next year. You know, another kind of under-the-radar storyline there is Robert Salat, who's the defensive coordinator in San Francisco. He coached under Gus Bradley in Seattle and Jacksonville. They run the same scheme, so it's something that the Chargers are going to be familiar with. And then we have some former Chargers there, too, Jerry Tachu and Corey Toomer, now part of the Niners, and uh, just one of three teams that the Chargers are going to play in the preseason leading up to that Week 4 matchup. Money, we stay at StubHub Center Week 5, Another Bay Area team, John Gruden and company, come to StubHub Center. Obviously, the Chargers swept the Raiders last year. And this will be the fourth game in the first five weeks that the Chargers don't have to leave Los Angeles. Right. It's, uh, you know, however, that, that, is, uh, that is equity that uh, you put in the bank and you hope you, you have a great record and you get off to a great start. Because following this week, we'll get into what happens to their schedule after spending four of the first five <laughs> it's weeks. It's a little tougher. In L.A., yeah, let's just say it's four of the next five weeks are not in L.A. is how it works out. Um, I mean, look, the, we'll, we'll know what the Raiders are by then. You know, we'll know if this John Gruden, I want to take it back to 88 or 98, is going to work or not. Um, whether or not it was a one-year blip. And instead of being a team that was on the rise, it was just a team that had a last-place schedule, an extremely hot quarterback, a guy that played to a level of defensive player of the year in Khalil Mack uh, that was a one-man wrecking crew that was able to get it done because you still see the same issues. Um, as good as Kelechi Assembly and Rodney Hudson are in the middle of that line, you still have Donald Penn, who struggled mightily last year. Now they've uh, at least changed out their right tackle in Vidal Alexander. Um, but, you know, Gabe Jackson, I thought, struggled last year, the entire right side of that line, and that's kind of what led – to the Chargers feasting on this team in that in that sweep was that you know Derek Carr had no time to get any of those downfield routes from our Cooper or you know in this case it'll be Jordy Nelson to develop now one thing that that Carr does better than almost any quarterback in the league at least save Tom Brady is get rid of it quick I mean he does not give you an opportunity to sack him but with that secondary they were able to keep it you know contained so and then speaking of secondaries, this was arguably the worst secondary in the league last year. Bad, yeah. um, and and I don't know, you know, Gary Conley may be healthy, um, but I don't know how much better they are. You know, I think they're still lacking there. Now they may draft Denzel Ward and hope they can pair him with his old teammate there in Conley, and, and they're ready to go. Um, if that works out in their favor, that that's who ends up there. But they certainly still need to, to upgrade that spot. So on paper, I still think that that's – that that's something that I would lean Chargers. You know, the last time John Gruden coached against the Chargers, he was with the Bucks, and the Chargers beat him 41-24. Phillip Rivers, not much changes over a decade, Matt. You got 21-31, 287 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Phillip, it's just amazing what he has done over the last 10 years. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, he, he loves Raider Week. You know, and you love that. I, I'd love, you know, and I think it's very reminiscent to me. I, I really do appreciate when players don't give you the cliche. It's one game at a time. I don't care about the opponent. I care about what we're supposed to do. Uh, if we do what we're supposed to do, we'll beat him. No, Philip embraces Raider Week. Aaron Rodgers embraces Bear Week. 
he recognizes those rivalries and, and how fired up fan bases get when, you know, when two teams tangle in division, in state, no, you know, NorCal versus Southern California. Um, and it's great. And, and here in L.A., you know, you, you think about those Raider fans in that Week 17 game. Um, it was probably a 50-50 split at StubHub, maybe 60-40. And, you know, they sat on their hands for the majority of that game because Phillip carved them up early and the defense finished them off. And it was a miserable afternoon for them. And I hope that they have long memories uh, and don't want to waste their money this time around because I know tickets were going for like 500 bucks a pop on the aftermarket. Yeah, it was qu- quite the beating in Week 17. Uh, another team that played at StubHub Center, Chargers going to them this year, the Browns. We'll buzz through this one, Monty. They were 0-16 last year. A lot of new characters. We expect Tyrod Taylor to be the starter. Uh, some weapons on the outside with Jarvis Landry. Obviously, Josh Gordon came back against the Chargers last year. And, you know, and we don't know. They could have Saquon Barkley. They could have Bradley Chubb. The one thing I'll say is Josh Gordon was the best receiver I watched all year last year that the Chargers faced. And I thought I was crazy until I talked to Casey Hayward after the game, and he said, that's the best receiver I've faced all year. I said, that's what it looked like. Um, it just, he is so freaking good. And he just walked um, on the field, money. He, he just walked on the just, field. That was his had, first game. Exactly. Had, had walked on the field for the first time in a year and a half, and, it, and you watched it, and I, and I thought it was Casey's best play of the year. He broke up a pass in the end zone. Uh, when you think about him giving up about four, four and a half inches to, to Josh Gordon, um, broke up a pass into the end zone um, because he's just so fast. He's so big. He's so strong. Um, I, you said it. I don't know what to make of the Browns because I don't know what they're going to look like, but, man, they got some intriguing pieces. You know, you lose, you lose that bad for that long, then you're going to start hitting on those first-round picks. And Miles Garrett's it. He's the real deal. No question about that. Like you said, they pair him up with Bradley Chubb on the opposite side, who I think the world of. Um, I, I think that's another plug-and-play. Man, you draft that guy, and you're ready to go from week one. He's just go get the guy. And I think that is a pretty terrifying prospect um, to, to go with, like I said, one of the best-looking receivers we saw all year last year. Yeah, no gimmies in the NFL. I know they're 0-16 last yeah. year, but it's just so important to, to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, especially in the AFC. Speaking of a team that they should beat, too. I mean, this is this is a game in London, probably the most anticipated Chargers game of the year. You go from Cleveland across the pond to London. The first time since 2008 the Chargers play overseas. Um, have you been to London, Money? I haven't. You know, I lived in Europe for a semester in Italy, um, but I had to decide between going to London or going to Greece uh, at the end of my semester because we never quite made it out that far. We, we ended up doing a lot of Eastern European trips. This is totally not interesting. I'll just say, no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> Tell me about Greece. I'm very much looking forward to it. Greece, uh, Greece, let's just say I spent way too much time at the Pink Palace. I should have seen more of Greece, but uh, the first stop on the ferry was Corfu, and I fell into... Uh, a spot known as the Pink Palace. Look it up, kids. Uh, Pink Palace in the early 90s. It was, uh, <laughs> yes, it was It was debauchery at its finest as well. I'll leave it at. There you go. But uh, very much looking forward to going to London. Yeah, what do you make of this Titans team, Money? An- another team that made the playoffs over the Chargers last year. I mean, they're good. Um, good offensive line. Uh, love Taylor Lewan at left tackle. I think that's, you know, if, if you, could, you could drop what you want your left tackle to be, for me, he's it. You know, a nice streak of nasty uh, while also being technically sound, uh, pretty darn athletic, and just, you know, a guy that sets the tone. And I think that's why they're one of the most physical teams in the league, especially when you flip to the other side of that line and you see Jack Conklin. I mean, that's what I think of when I look at the matchup. I don't quite think as much 
about Marcus Mariota or first-round wide receiver Corey Davis picked ahead of Mike Williams. Um, you know, it's a solid defense, you know, anchored by Benny Logan in the middle and Jarrell Casey on that 3-4. Um, you know, new head coach and Mike Vrabel, and, and we'll see, you know, whether or not we can get one of these Bill Belichick guys from his coaching tree to, to actually do something. You know, I guess you can say maybe Bill O'Brien's done a little something, but it hasn't quite worked out like it has for Andy Reid in that coaching tree, for goodness sake. But um, but I think it's just, you know, it's it's what it's kind of what Malarkey made it, which is smash-mouth football, you know, nasty tackles on offense, big bodies on defense, Wesley Woodyard, you know, in the middle – of that of that kind of linebacking core with Derek Morgan, um, and it's just it, and I mean look Kevin Byard he's not a fan turns out he's a player yeah um, and he can make a lot of plays <laughs> someone's so, got to tell Dion yeah exactly I mean it's a it's a and, and then they say now geez and I'm looking at their roster I just pulled it up I forgot they signed Malcolm Butler so yeah. I mean that's a pretty darn good defense um, that's a really good team um, and I think it comes down to you know containing Marcus Mariota and. I feel like he's trying to get away from using his legs as much. I don't think he likes getting hit in the NFL. That's kind of the sense that I got is as, as much damage as he can do with his feet, it doesn't seem he likes to. It doesn't seem like he likes to. So I don't know if Matt LaFleur can get that out of him or not, but, hey, stay in there, Marcus. We'd, we'd be more than happy to, to watch you try to do your damage from the pocket instead yes. of using those legs and that 4-3 speed of yours. Exactly. Stay in the pocket. Deion Lewis, another Patriot that, that's on that team yeah. as well. You know, So uh, offensively, they may look a little bit different. Interesting to see what Vrabel's going to do as a head coach. Money, the bye right in the middle of the season, I, th- I think that's perfect. You know, I, perfect. I think if you talk to any coach, you know, rest, reset, get ready for the back half of the year. And you got two road games out of the gate there. You got – at Seattle, I think a lot of people think that this is the beginning of a rebuild in Seattle. But, you know, Russell Wilson under center, you always have a chance. No question, but I do think it is because they didn't do much to upgrade their offensive line. Um, you know, unless, unless Charger fans want to say, you know what, they signed D.J. Fluker, look out. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, they, they certainly drafted. They invested um, a little bit in the last draft and the draft before in that offensive line, see if it will – managed to come together of Dwayne Brown in a full season now and an off season can settle in as he was one of the better left tackles in the league in Houston. Um, I do like the, their, I, I like their, uh, their receivers. I love Tyler Lockett at Kansas state and what he was able to do in the return game as well. He's dynamic. I love Doug Baldwin. And like you said, when you have, you know, Russell Wilson and you have a quarterback that, that plays at an MVP level, it, it is always, uh, you know, there's always an, a possibility where you just get crushed because that quarterback is able to, to carry a team, and that's the kind of league we're in. It's a quarterback league. But then you get to the defense, and you're like, my God, this doesn't even resemble. You it's know, a shell. The, yeah, it's a shell of it. Yeah. It, I mean, it really – I mean, look, you still have arguably the best middle linebacker in the league in Bobby Wagner, arguably the best high safety in the league in Earl Thomas. Um, so when you have that on the back end – that that's certainly you know like like with Russell Wilson you know if you want to argue that those are your two quarterbacks of the defense you know your free safety and your middle linebacker to have those two guys is a pretty nice thing a nice little uh, pair of assets for Pete Carroll to work with as he's trying to work in some of these newer pieces. All right, money from Seattle. We go to Oakland in Week Ten, November eleventh. Yep. It's a game on Fox. Uh, another road game for the Chargers. And God, you had so many great calls last year, but I think the Nick Novak call may have been my favorite. Well, it was a huge one, right? I mean, considering what they were coming off of. And I had talked to Greg Papa before that game and um, love Greg. I've known him for a long time, the longtime voice of the Raiders, you know, one of the good guys uh, around the league. And, and he just put it bluntly, said, look, 
whoever loses this game, it's going to be it's going to it's going to go downhill from here. Uh, whoever wins, I think, has the talent to make a run. So to know they were down, to watch Philip Rivers uh, and Hunter Henry say, "Hey, it's what we're going to do. Try to stop it," and and watch them make their way down the field and set it up for a game-winning field goal, um, considering what they had been through those first four weeks with that field goal unit, and to have Novak come back and rescue his team, man, you could just you could feel it in the booth. Um, you know how important it was to have a kick go through as the clock hit zero to win a game, and, and I think that was a big reason, you know, why after that win they would go on to win, you know, eight more um, out of their next eleven. All right, week eleven, finally. Finally, the Chargers back at Stub Up Center. First game back in six weeks, this time against the Denver Broncos. And money, last time the Broncos came to StubHub, 21-0. First time they were shut out in 25 years. A lot of new faces. Case Keenum under center now. Uh, a lot of new coaches under Vance Joseph. Even though they kept Joseph in tow, just a lot of changes around him. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, perhaps saving face. For, for John Elway, you don't want to fire a guy after just a single year. Um, but like you said, you know, you get rid of your D.C., you up Joe Woods, you get rid of your O.C., guy we know in Mike McCoy, you up Bill Musgrave. I don't know what kind of impact that has. I look at it and I still see a left tackle that was in over his head last year and Garrett Bowles that was holding an awful lot. Um, the interior of the line is okay, um, you know, with Leary on that left side. But it's still, you know, Jared Valdir is not great. I'll just leave it at that, at that right tackle. Um, you know, and their, their sixth lineman in Menelik Watson, also not great, was very was just bad, I'll say it, for Oakland last year. So I think there are still issues on that offensive line. And if you can't keep Case Keenum upright, I'm not sure how effective he can be. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what I look at. And, and then I think for the, the Broncos, if I'm a Charger fan, hey, I hear that picks up for auction, please, somebody go get it because I want to see the, the Denver Broncos in a position where they don't get Bradley Chubb. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's the one thing I, I, you know, that's the one thing I do not want to see there is another capable, not even capable, elite pass rusher opposite Von Miller. And I know Shane Ray was hurt for the contest last year, um, and he's certainly one of the better. You know, if he's right, he's a good pass rusher, no doubt about it. But uh, the last thing I want to see is, is Bradley Chubb sitting there at number five and the Broncos scooping him up. Well, money. Honestly, they haven't drafted well. I, I, last year, nope. you look at you look at all their picks last year. Garrett Bowles was the only one who actually started a game, I believe. Honestly, thing I think if you go from rounds two to seven, very minimal production out of any of those guys. Yeah, I, you're right. Look, John Elway has not drafted well. He's he's done great in free agency, you know, and that's that's and that's very you know, and rarely does that does that get you victories. But that's really where he's succeeded. Um, you know, and getting to Marcus Ware, getting Peyton Manning, uh, getting Manny Sanders, you know, and, and now getting Case Keenum, if you believe what you saw last year wasn't an aberration, but, but in, in fact, Case playing with talent around him and good coaching. Um, so I'm with you. I mean, you, you look at the roster. I mean, Bradley Roby's a good pick um, in 2014 yeah. for him. Again, I don't know about Shane Ray because of the injuries, but yeah, you look up and down the roster, and it's not very impressive um, what he's done in the drafts. That's why I would hate for him to just catch a break and get someone like Bradley Chubb slip to him because four quarterbacks go in front of him. Yeah, that'd be worst-case scenario. Uh, yeah. Week 12, Cardinals, we'll skip over this one. Obviously, the, the Chargers and Cards are going to play in the preseason. They have new head coach, Steve Wilkes. Sam Bradford may or may not be under center in late November. Yeah. We have no idea. What would you say? 
Yeah, would I, you say I, yes or no? I think I'm going to lean no. You know, I think it, it I would be, go no as well. Go, maybe I'd Mike Lennon. No <laughs> maybe Mike Lennon. Maybe maybe a rookie. They're another team in the right. market for a franchise quarterback. Week 13, money. This is my favorite game of the year. I think this is that measuring stick game for the Chargers against the Steelers. You go cross country, 10 a.m. kickoff on the West Coast. Steelers, along with the Pats, they've been the bullies on the black in the AFC. This is a great spot to see how they stack up on the road. Yeah, you know what I would say too. If, if and I know you, you know you can't look that far ahead, but that's the game I would circle. And I would say you know because I saw I think Melvin Ingram was the first one I saw on Twitter was pissed about it and say, hey, you don't like that that you didn't get a primetime game? Well, here you go. There it is. It's yep. sitting right there for you. Don't Sunday, December second, flexes are now in play. Go make that a Sunday night game for us. Go on, go do it. You guys start out, you know, by winning, you know, close to double, win nine or ten games here to start the season, and let's let's get to the Steelers, and and you'll have your primetime game that you guys are upset about not having because that's sitting right there for you, a potential AFC championship preview. Um, the Steelers certainly have the talent. To make it back there, the Chargers certainly have the talent and finished in a manner uh, if they can pick up where they left off and have some continuity and, and be more comfortable and settled in their new city. And, and with this roster and new head coach and coordinators and all that, then uh, this is, like you said, I think this is that, that nugget to put out there for them. Let's, let's force the league to flex this game to Sunday night or Monday night. The storylines here, too. I mean, you got A.B., versus Casey Hayward, you get the Pouncy Bros going against each other. And then you got I, I, what I think is the biggest, the quarterback class of 2004, Big Ben versus Rivers. Right. This may be the last time they go head-to-head. I mean, I don't know how the schedule is going to shake out over the next couple of years. But, you know, Ben, you know, has been talking about retirement, it seems like, for the last year or two. You know, Phillips been playing at a high level. But it, that's that's just an intriguing matchup to me. You got Big Ben versus Rivers, maybe for the last time. No question, and I, and I do think that, that those are, you know, I, it was fun to watch the Eli Manning storyline last year, even though two teams were coming in at zero and four apiece, so that kind of overshadowed it a little bit, um, but I'm with you. It, it makes for great storylines, um, you know, and, and like you said, Antonio Brown versus Hayward, you know, that, that just the linebacker, obviously you lose Ryan Shazier, sadly, unfortunately, but yeah. you just think about those linebackers and, and what those linebackers have been for the Steelers over the last 15 years. And with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, um, I mean, you still have really good players at that level um, of the defense. And I, I think it makes it certainly makes for, on paper, a great matchup. And like I said, what I hope, if things go according to how the Chargers believe they could go, um, a potential AFC championship or AFC division around preview. Week 14, Chargers come back home to take on the Bengals. It's a 105 game December 9th, and this one scares me, Muddy. This is the this is the trap game for me because four days later, it's like deja vu. It's week 15, yeah. the Chiefs, Thursday night football on Thursday Fox NFL football. Network. Short week. Yeah, it's a short week to get ready for a divisional road opponent who's had your number you know, and we saw what happened last year. You were there, 30-13. Revenge has to be on the mind here in a hostile environment. Yeah, I just don't know. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to figure out what the Bengals are. It just is, you know, because you look at that roster, and I know, you know, last year you could blame it on the offensive line, um, and they certainly look like they've tried to fix that, you know, in the trade for Cordy Glenn. Um, we know A.J. Green is, you know, one of the best and, and gives everybody trouble. And we started to see, you know, toward the end of the season, that flash from Joe Mixon and, and you know, what, what a special running back he can be on the field, um, you know, because he is a three-down back that runs a 
four. And when you you think about that, you're like, oh, what is he like? Two ten, two fifteen? No, he's almost two hundred forty pounds yeah. of just straight muscle. Um, and we know how much the run gave this team issues last year. Uh, and like you said, when when you factor that in, and and what he's capable of doing with another, you know, with a year under his belt, perhaps distancing himself. Um, with punching a girl in the face at Oklahoma and having that dog him all season long as it should have, you know, that's sort of in the rear view and you wonder if he settles in here. Um, and that's a team that has always had talent. I mean, you can make a compelling case that save Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, the best defensive tackle in the league, and he is so disruptive. And those are the type of players that tend to give Rivers a little bit more trouble when pressure just comes straight up the middle. We saw it in that Eagles game uh, with Fletcher Cox. So you're right. I mean, the way you know the, the way the roster shakes out, the way the, the schedule lays out with, with the showdown Thursday night in the, at the Chiefs, like you said, it went so horribly wrong last year. Um, you just hope that that's not one that, that gets them. But I, I, I go back to kind of maybe where is this team at that point? If they are playing as well as they're capable of playing, as the end of last season suggests they should be playing, I can't, you know, at that point when you're looking at the last quarter of the season, you're thinking about home playoff games, and yep. and that tends to get you hyper focused on every single game in front of you instead of looking ahead, like, hey, you know, if we beat the Chiefs, we might have the division, and we can lock it up. You know what I mean? It, exactly. You tend to take more of that one game approach. Yeah, and that and that goes down to this this hot start. If you, if you can start hot and win, you know four or five and, and take care of home, you're not in the position you were last year where you're like, oh, well, if this team loses and we win, we got a shot to get in the playoffs. It, it's none of that. It's just you're focused on trying to get home field. Uh, week 16, the Ravens, December 22nd or 23rd. And this is a team you know, similar to the Chargers, went nine and seven, nearly missed the playoffs. And it's hard to predict, you know, especially in April, it's hard to predict who's going to be good in 2018, but it's hard to discount a John Harbaugh-led Ravens team in December. Yeah, they've just, you know, they're always solid. Yeah. You know, you said it, you looked at it last year and like, this is this team good? Are they, yeah, they, they should have gone 10-6. and six. You know, it was, what, a fourth and 19 or whatever, fourth and whatever that play was. You know, they win that game, they go to the playoffs. And it's, and it's a Baltimore team that continues to have, you know, a strong freaking defense, you know, and that's what it's built on. I don't have a lot of faith in Joe Flacco. Um, I wasn't that impressed with their running game last year. What about all RG three money? What about RG three? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think I think RG three will probably play as much as he played in Cleveland last year. You know, maybe a game or, or two. Or I, I don't I don't quite understand that. But whatever. You know, teams need backups. And I, I've always liked Michael Crabtree as a receiver. Um, I like the John Brown signing to give him that speed if John's healthy. You know, we certainly hope he is, considering what he's been dealing with. Um, to take the top off the defense. So that's an interesting pair of receivers considering how much they've struggled to find anybody to catch the ball. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a, look, I feel like I'm saying the same thing about every team, right? When you start going through NFL rosters, uh, you're like, yeah, it's an NFL roster. There's a lot of really good players, you know, regardless of who the team is or what their record was last year. Um, and that's just, you know, Baltimore is, I think, the epitome of, a really, really good roster um, without a lot of great players on it. I guess if that, you know, and, and I recognize, look, uh, Terrell Suggs is great. He's just pretty darn old. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's going into, I think, his, what, 15th season, 16th season, whichever one it is. He's getting up there. Um, and, you know, they're just, they're just not the same you know, it's not the same sort of level of dominance. You know, they used to be 
great on defense. And now it just seems like they're a really good, solid team. Um, and I don't know what Joe Flacco is. I just, I really don't. I mean, I know he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but man, if you ask me to start ranking quarterbacks, I'm not sure if I get to Joe Flacco if I'm at like 10 or 12 or 15. Yeah, it'd be a while. It'd be a while, especially. You know, as soon as you get that money, and that's how it changes a little bit too, money. Once Flacco got paid, you can't pay everybody else, and I think that's right. The uh, roster falls apart. Yeah, the roster falls apart, and I think Ozzie Newsome obviously he he does a great job drafting, and that's why you have solid a solid team. I right. think year in and year out because you you draft well. But you know, the Ravens like like many teams are a wild card in 2018, and in Week 17, it's kind of funny because the Chargers are going to end the year in Denver, a place where they started it in 2017. We all remember how that that game ended in week one of 2017. You know, these games, sometimes they mean everything. Sometimes they mean nothing. But I think regardless, the Chargers, it'd be nice to get a win at mile high. Yeah, and I think best case, you know, scenario for them is the Broncos are bad again. You know, and, and they've got Case Keenum on a two-year deal, and maybe that Paxton Lynch is in there, or if they draft a quarterback – in the first round, if they decide one of those guys, you know, slips to them and they want to take Baker Mayfield or they want to take Josh Rosen because he's there or Mar Jackson if they trade down, whatever it may be, and you're facing a team that's that's looking to the future. Um, you know, and, and again, I think it just kind of speaks to what we went through with, you know, them trading away a, a little bit of their secondary and the offensive line issues that they continue to have. Um, you know, and, and how good can that team be? How much, you know, and I think it just revolves around do you believe in Case? Do you believe Case is is a quarterback that when put on this roster is capable of of helping, you know, do what he did in, in Minnesota with a really good defense. I mean, the defense is still really good. I don't think there's any denying that. Yeah. Um, so it's just a question of, you know, are they going to get that quarterback play? Do they have an offensive line that can protect a guy that needs to be protected, that needs to be kept upright? Um, because we saw what happened to him in other stops where he wasn't. He was not very, very effective. And that, all you have to do is go back two years. Uh, with the Rams, who had no offensive line and very few playmakers around him, and he just was miserable. So um, I think that's kind of what I would look after is, hey, hopefully by the time they get to Week 17, the Broncos uh, are are looking toward 2019 already. Well, listen, I I like this schedule. I I really do, and I I think mainly because I I like this team. And, and, you know, you go into years sometimes when you don't know if you're going to be, you know, let's say you'd be 7-9, 8-8, and you're like, oh, well, Patriots, we got Patriots, it'd be a tough game. You know, this is a a schedule where you look at it and you look at how this team played down the stretch. This is a team that should win most of these games in 2018. Yeah, when I I, I think when I look at a schedule, I just kind of, you know, like we talked about, when are they home? When are they on the road? When are the cold weather games? You know, when you think about that short week and going to Kansas City when it can be crazy cold in the middle of December. I mean, we know it. We just went through it last year. It was very cold for that Thursday nighter out there. At the Broncos, is that a three feet of snow game in Denver on December 30th? You know, again, those can always be equalizers and just really muddy up, literally, in some, to some degree, muddy up a game. Yep. Um, I think about that stretch at the start. Uh, and as you mentioned, when I look at those first seven games before the bye, you know, I think worst case, if this team is what we think it is, is two losses. Worst case. Best case is undefeated, you know, as they get that win at the Rams, which looks to be the toughest one there. Um, and they are what we think they are. You know, they win all their home games, and there's no reason why they shouldn't win a game at the Bills and at the Browns. Um, 
that's how you win a division. You know, you win all eight of your home games and you play 500 on the road and you get 12 wins. Yep. Uh, and the division crown is yours. And, and I think when you look at these road games, Bills, Rams, Browns, Seahawks, Raiders, Steelers, Chiefs, Broncos, go 4-4 four and four and win your home games and there's your 12 wins. You know, and when you're at the Bills, at the Browns, at this rebuilding Seahawks, you know, at the Raiders, Chiefs, or Broncos with new head coaches, you know, or new quarterbacks with the Chiefs, head coach with the Raiders um, I mean it just it lays out like you said really well based on who their opponents are and what they have in the division you know either a new quarterback or a new head coach money you've been more than gracious with your time man can't thank you enough um, we got the draft next week any thoughts at number 17 I mean this is it looks like defensive line linebacker are, are really the two positions that the Chargers probably going to home in on at least in the first three rounds um, yeah, to, to me, you know, kind of from what I've been hearing, and, and I don't know what, what John Spanos and, and, and Tom Telesco have been talking about, but I think for me it comes down to two players. I think if the draft breaks right for the Chargers, uh, one of two players, like if it, to, to really be able to say, holy crap, this broke our way, is if Derwin James or Vita Vey are there. Yeah. Um, I think if you get either just the, just the idea of Derwin and, and, and what he could do in that Gus Bradley scheme, um, if you play him in the box like Cam because he's big and nasty, if you play him high like Earl Thomas because he's rangy and crazy athletic, um, just so many possibilities there, or just the complete and total athletic freak that Vea is. And, and I just bring those two names up, and, and people are like, there's no way those guys are lasting until till 17. Well, if you have five quarterbacks, you know, now you're only talking about eight players. Yep. You know, now, now you just need them to last one of those two guys to have seven other position players go in front of them. Um, and you can certainly make a case with Saquon and Bradley Chubb and Quentin Nelson and Minka Fitzpatrick and Denzel. And you see what I'm getting at, Tremaine Edmonds, Roquan Smith. Okay, we're there. Now one of those two guys is there. Just from those names I just rattled off. All right, a quick break. And then Jack Wang of Southern California News Group. So the Los Angeles Chargers schedule is out, and boy, it's nice to finally know how we'll be spending our Sundays this fall. How many Charger games did you make last year, Matt? I made 20. Four preseason games and 16 regular season games last year. Which are you circling for this season? This season, I'll circle the Niners and Cardinals as they play the NFC West. And let's not forget about those rivalry games, P. You seriously don't want to miss this. Visit FightForLA.com or call 877-CHARGERS to share Matt's experience. Season tickets on sale now. All right, phase one of the Chargers offseason program kicked off this week at the Hope Performance Center. Please be joined by Chargers beat writer Jack Wang of Southern California News Group. And Jack, the team back together under one roof. And this is a great opportunity for the media, really, to, to hear Coach Lynn and other leaders of the team. Uh, what were the highlights for you from the open media session? You know, I think we got to see a few of the new players. You know, Mike Pouncey was there. Pretty much everyone that they picked up uh, during, during the offseason uh, in free agency was there. Uh, Pouncey talked about you know, meeting Philip Rivers for the first time, they didn't really have any sort of pre-existing relationship, but there's a mutual respect between them just from um, hearing about uh, their their respective reputations around the league. Um, he actually told a funny story about, you know, when they were in the meeting room, he accidentally sat in, in Philip's seat. So he had to get up and, and move to a different spot. But first mistake, Mike. To, <laughs> yeah, they're both excited to kind of get that quarterback center relationship going. Uh, Pouncey is a guy that has a lot of experience making calls at the line of scrimmage, um, so Phil could get a little bit more help 
in that respect. But I think that's going to be a, a significant a roster improvement for them heading into the season. Um, you know, a couple of absences, nothing, nothing really out of the ordinary, unexpected. Melvin Ingram, uh, Joey Bosa, uh, Melvin Gordon, all guys that, you know, Lynn said that he's been in touch with and, and expects to show up at some point in the coming weeks. But um, you know, sort of like last year, just guys taking time and, and deciding to work out on their own a little bit. Yeah, we should clarify phase one. It's two weeks long, and it's really just limited to strength and conditioning activities. You can only be on the field for, I think, 90 minutes max, and uh, it's two hours at the facility. It's two hours for weights. So it's something where, to your point, you know, the Melvins and, and Joey, I'm sure they're training on their own and, and will get there at some point. Uh, you mentioned Philip Rivers, Jack. He's entering his 15th season in the league. He's 36. He's coming off that Pro Bowl season, yet a lot of the offseason chatter has been filled with the talk of the Chargers finding his successor. Uh, I think he was asked about that. What was his answer, and what did you think of his answer? You know, I, I think it was interesting because it, in terms of them potentially drafting a quarterback, it was kind of similar to last year, and I'm sure years before, where he's faced these kind of questions. And he was, you know, he played it cool, said, you know, they're, they're going to do that at some point. The room's going to have to get younger at some point. Um, and I'm ready for it, but I still think that, you know, I can play for, for several more years. And I think the interesting part was when he said that back in January, you know, this was the first January in a long time where he felt like he'd go uh, a whole entire season. And, you know, I think he compared it to years past where I think you'd have nagging little injuries, uh, kind of trailing into into the month out of the season. This year, he felt great. You know, he felt, felt a lot better than he has. And I think that was a little surprising just because, you know, he, he also had kind of a major injury scare last year with being in the concussion protocol and potentially seeing that streak uh, of consecutive starts end. So I think that's an encouraging sign for them heading into the season. And, you know, the Chargers obviously haven't drafted a quarterback since 2013, taking Brad Sorensen in, in the seventh round. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if that drought continues just because, you know, they made some moves to shore up the quarterback depth chart. But, you know, I, I know a lot of fans are itching for them to kind of establish a, a clear line of succession. Yeah, it, it goes back and forth because you think that they may get the future here in the first or second round, let's say. But then when you add to the quarterback room and a guy like Geno Smith, somebody Anthony Lynn's familiar with, you already have Cardell Jones there. And I think what Phillips said, it really struck me, the fact that he said he could he could go a whole other season in January. I mean, the guy is going to be 37 in December. Uh, but to your point, he had the concussion scare this past year. But he probably had one of his best years, especially in terms of efficiency, Jack, because he didn't turn the football over. I think he threw the ball away more and was a little bit more conservative with the football. And I think that style of play is really going to suit him in his last few years in the league, you know, whenever he decides to hang it up. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think a lot of that is also trusting that he has a, a better team around him. You know, that he had a top three defense last year that could really, you know, get the other team off the field. So I think he probably felt like he he didn't have to force the ball as much as he did in recent years. Um, I think there were a couple games where you see that, where you saw that waiver a little bit, uh, especially in the, those two games against Kansas City. But you know if they keep kind of 
building a, a strong roster without around him, um, you know, especially on the offensive line, I think you can you can see a smooth transition for him into kind of the last stage of his career while also being being fairly productive. You know, Jack, this is also an opportunity to get updates on guys that weren't contributors last year. Um, and if healthy, we're expecting Forrest Lamp, Mike Williams, Jason Verrett to all come back, all be impact starters in 2018. In the case of Forrest Lamp and Mike Williams, you're adding last year's first and second round draft picks to the offense. What was the update on those two guys? Yeah, you know, I think Mike Williams, he's he's pretty much healthy. You know, he ended last year um, you know, able to to participate in all the practices, able to get into games. And it was just kind of a matter of learning the offense and feeling comfortable in the offense. And because he'd basically lost his entire offseason, uh, I think he got injured that first day of rookie mini camp and, and really never got back into the flow of things. He was kind of just way behind the ball uh, in terms of building chemistry with Philip Rivers um, and, you know, just feeling like the, the the scheme was second nature to him. So I think this will be a big benefit to him uh, getting these next several months uh, under his belt. Uh, Forrest Lamp, you know, I think it's, I'm curious to see what he's able to do once they get into some contact. You know, he and Jason Verrett, who missed essentially all of last season with another knee knee surgery uh, a year ago, you know, they're both on the field this week. Um, I don't know exactly what that means for their schedule. They, Anthony Lynn said they're, quote, right on schedule. Um, but, you know, uh, it'll definitely be encouraging if they can do some contact, you know, coming off those knee injuries. You know, Philip talked about the importance of having Mike Williams in this offseason program. I think he preached that really at his end of regular season press conference. What are your expectations of Williams this year? We only saw those flashes in a few games in 2017. Uh, but it seems like when this guy's fully healthy, you put him on the other side of Keenan Allen, you already have Tyrell Williams, Travis Benjamin. I mean, this offense could be even more explosive than it was in 2017 with Williams in the fold. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. You know, he, he gives them a guy uh, with a big body, um, definitely another red zone target. Um, you know, if he breaks out, you know, I, I think it's interesting to see what that does to Tyrell Williams' role. Um, he, he's a guy that they, you know, kind of found as an undrafted gem um, and, and a guy that they extended as an, or extended a qualifying offer to as a restricted free agent. Um, but it's it's kind of like last year, you know, where they have a bit of a potential logjam at receiver. And, you know, a year ago, it ended up being Dontrell Inman that they moved on from. I'm not saying that that'll necessarily happen with Tyrell. I think Tyrell's uh, more talented than Dontrell. Um, but, you know, Tyrell still isn't a guy that they invested a, a top 10 uh, overall draft pick in. So it'll be interesting to see how that depth chart shakes out. Um, with Mike Williams, you know, I don't know. It's kind of it's tantalizing. I remember seeing him in that national championship game with Clemson, and he he's a guy that just jumped out at you. You know, and I haven't really seen that guy since. So you know, hopefully, you know, him getting these these workouts in, um, you know, gives us another taste of that guy. Yeah, I think it was a little bit unfair to Mike too, in that when he was ready to go we've moved on, right? We've moved on from training camp. We've moved on from off-season workouts. I mean, you're installing game plans on a weekly basis. So it was really difficult for for him, I think, to catch up, get with the speed of the NFL, and just have that chemistry with Phillip right off the bat. It just doesn't happen like that in the regular season. Uh, I think we saw flashes, especially in that Buffalo game, 
of what he can become. So I think a lot of fans are excited to see him in 2018. And then another guy, as you mentioned, Jason Verrett. This is a guy who's only played five games the last two seasons. Trevor Williams filled in admirably. We saw what Desmond King was able to do in the slot. And obviously Casey Hayward locked down corner and, and the Chargers locked him up for the next few years. Uh, what are your expectations of Verrett? I, I think it's really, you can't expect him to come in and start 16 games because he's never done it. Uh, but just adding him to the secondary has it, got to be a plus for Gus Bradley. Yeah, you know, it, it's a really interesting place for the secondary to be in because there's so much talent, uh, so much top-end talent, even without Jason Brett. You know, you have Casey Hayward, uh, who, who is a two-time Pro Bowler now and, and is come, just, you know, signed a, a big extension. Uh, you have Trevor Williams, who, you know, uh, looks like another undrafted gem. Uh, Desmond King, who, who really broke out as, as kind of a, a do-it-all playmaker last year. And then you add Jason Brett, who, you know, when healthy, which is a big if, you know, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, if they get him for, say, half a season, then is it better to have him kind of entrenched in the role opposite Casey Hayward? Or is it easier, you know, to, to have him to maybe keep Trevor on the outside and play Jason in the slot instead? So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what Gus decides to do. Moving to the defensive line, Jack, Chris McCain, he's now an unrestricted free agent. And Corey Legion, we know he is suspended for the first four games of the year. You know, free agency really never stops in the offseason, so it's still an option to fill defensive line needs through free agency. But with the draft a week away, how likely do you think it is that they attack those needs on the D-line in those first couple rounds of the draft? I think it's pretty likely. You know, you, you look at mock drafts, I think Deron Payne is a guy that's been connected to them a lot. Um, I think if, if Vita Vea fell to number 17, they'd be thrilled. Um, but I think generally, especially in those early rounds, they're kind of in a situation where, you know, they, they have enough, a, a complete enough roster that they can really go in sort of a best player available direction. You know, they could go, they could go safety, they could go linebacker, um, they go offensive tackle or they could go defensive tackle, like we said. But, um, you know, I think Vita Vea or, or Drum Payne, either of those guys would, would fit in pretty well uh, at number 17. You know, it leads me to my next question. How, how do you prioritize immediate needs versus, let's say, quarterback of the future, best player available? Because there's so many positions that have been linked to the Chargers, Jack, as you well know. We talk about defensive line. We talk about linebacker, safety, maybe a right tackle. Uh, the quarterback of the future. You can't get five, six different positions in those first two rounds. So how do you think the Chargers balance that going into that first round, knowing that last year you drafted a wide receiver when you had a lot of talent at wide receiver? It's interesting to me because of the needs that this team has, I think, at linebacker and defensive line specifically. Yeah, you know, I I think think, uh, looking at the moves that they've made, um, over the last couple of years, they they still seem very much like a, a franchise that's in a win now mode, which which makes me very skeptical that they would want it. They, they want to pick a quarterback high, especially given the way that Philip played last year. Um, what he said on Monday about just how good he feels physically, and even what Anthony Lynn said on Monday, just that you know if they do draft a quarterback, it's a guy that they're going to sit and leave on the bench for several years. So because 
I, I think because they're in a win now mode, uh, I would be, I would expect them to kind of fill one of those other needs um, unless they're just really in love with one of the quarterbacks and one of those guys falls to number 17. But it, it also feels like a year where there's going to be an early, an early run on quarterbacks, kind of like the Don McNabb year yep. where I think there's five guys in the top 12. So, you know, it might not even be a question for them uh, once it gets down to number 17. All right, Jack, last thing for you, man. I want to make you put your GM hat on your Tom Telesco. Who are you taking? <laughs> Who are you taking at number 17 overall? Ooh. All right. Um, and let's, I think let's I, say, I, let's say I, I for the sake have... of this conversation, Jack, that five quarterbacks go in the top 15, because I think it's certainly possible okay. this year. So a lot of talent being okay. pushed up to 17. Yeah. Um, I think I would take, I would take either the two, top two linebackers if they're there, uh, Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds. Um, Edmonds, I think you look at him and it, you just, it's just a freak. And it would be so exciting to see him kind of get molded in a Gus Bradley defense. Um, Vita Vea, I think would be great at 17. You know, those are all guys who I think those three guys could all potentially go in the top 10. But if there's a run on quarterbacks and if there's, you know, weird things happen in draft, you know, there's also a chance that any of those three guys kind of slips down a little bit. And hey, um, Tom Telesco, you know, he has a history of trading up a couple spots to get the guy that he wants. Um, so I think I, any of those three guys I'll be in love with. Um, and then maybe I think offensive tackle, you know, that's not always the most exciting position in, in the draft, but it, it's always worth shoring up up front, especially if you want to get um, the, be- the best possible performance out of uh, Phillip Rivers over the next few years. And you can get offensive tackle. If you're trying to get a guy at 17, you know, Mike McGlinchey or Colton Miller, those are probably the guys that you're looking at. Jack, it's going to be fun, man. The, the draft is always high drama and, Everybody thinks they know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So excited to see what happens next Thursday. And I will see you at the Hope Performance Center next week, man. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. That'll do it. My thanks to Jack and Money for joining me. And thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Chargers Weekly on Apple Podcasts. And if you could, please leave a review. Help spread the word. Quick housekeeping note, our next pod will be after the NFL Draft. And it'll be a big one. We'll have exclusive interviews with players and instant analysis from the draft. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, I'm Chris Harry.